Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Monday, October 11th. Today on the show, Alabama loses for the first time this season. The Tennessee Volunteers dominate on offense once again. We've got some U.S. men's national team news. But we start today with, of course, the Tennessee Titans getting right down in Jacksonville. Make sure you know the name, the Kingston Group. That is all that I ask on this show. I would never tell you to do something on this show if I didn't believe in it and I didn't do it myself. We use the Kingston Group at my family because they are a proven commodity with a proven process that will not only make you happy in your home, but it'll allow your home to make you some money as well. Go to the website, buildkg.com, and look at their work. Have a conversation with them. Just talk to them. I guarantee you that whether you're thinking about doing something this week, next month, next year, five years from now, they will be of benefit to you in some way, shape, or form because their process is proven and they're award-winning because of it. Locally owned, custom home and remodeling firm, The Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. It wasn't always pretty and it certainly could have been much easier, but the Tennessee Titans did the most important thing they had to do on Sunday, win a football game. Sunday began with a bang, a Kevin Byard fumble returned for a touchdown on the first series and ended with a critical victory for the Titans, 37-19, over the still-winless Jaguars in Jacksonville. It simultaneously wasn't as close as the score indicated, but also wasn't as easy as the 18-point margin would have you believe, which is super weird, to be honest with you. The Titans scored on four consecutive possessions spanning the end of the first half and the beginning of the second, scoring 24 points, including three touchdown drives of 75 yards or longer. It felt like the game was completely in control for Mike Bravel's desperate bunch midway through the third quarter. But after the offense completely shut down and a few long Jaguars drives, well, Tennessee needed a goal line stand in the fourth quarter, a missed two-point conversion, and a Derrick Henry exclamation point to finish the job. Ryan Tannehill didn't have to do too much. He was only 14 of 22 passing for 197 yards, but made some big third down throws and used his legs to move the sticks as well. Derrick Henry seemed like he was bottled up for most of the day, but slowly built his fourth consecutive 100-yard game, going for 130 yards on 29 carries. More importantly, he punctuated three of those long aforementioned drives with touchdowns, including a fourth-quarter touchdown that put the game out of reach. There were no excuses for this Titans team not to beat a winless Jaguar squad embroiled in controversy with a rookie quarterback. And while the game was far from perfect, more on that in a second, it was exactly what this team needed the most, a win, even if it wasn't perfect. All right, so that brings us to the far from perfect portion of Sunday. Aside from the team still not being fully healthy, things just don't feel right. Certainly not like last year or the year before, and I realize that's not exactly scientific analysis. Before the final drive that iced the game, Henry had only 91 yards on 25 carries. He didn't exactly have any big running lanes and was stacked up at the line of scrimmage for most of the day. Tannehill was sacked three more times, and it could have been even worse if he didn't make a few plays to avoid pressure and get lucky on the one throw that was a nose hair away from being a fumble that could have swung the entire outcome of the game. The Titans entered the weekend leading the NFL in sacks allowed and now have given up 20 in five games. They gave up 25 all of last season in 16 games, and they're on pace to give up 68 sacks this year. A.J. Brown was targeted a grand total of six times, catching only three passes in his return to action. They landed on the right side of three very close 50-50 reviews on both the fumble return touchdown, the fourth quarter goal line stand, and not to mention Tannehill's almost fumble. 
The defense gave up 198 yards rushing on 6.4 yards per carry, and for good measure, Christian Fulton left the game with a hamstring injury and didn't return. Look, this all sounds like a lot of negative stuff, and obviously it was a critical win, and I don't want to lose sight of the good. Henry, Tannehill, the third down defense was really solid. The pass rush made an impact again, and Todd Downing might have called the best game of his season on offense. But something still isn't clicking with this team. They are good enough to beat a hobbled Colts team and a bad Jacksonville team. But ask yourself if you're a Titans fan, how many games would you win with that performance on Sunday if you weren't playing Urban Cryer? Because here's the schedule coming up. Buffalo, Kansas City, Indianapolis, the Rams, and the Saints. That might be four of the best six or seven teams in the NFL and the Colts. Expectations inside the AFC South haven't changed. This is the best team in the division, and Sunday proved that, if nothing else. But Super Bowl contender? I'm officially removing that title from this team until I see them beat some of those teams. Or at least I start to see them act like the team that won 11 games and the division championship a year ago. I guess here's the cool thing about football. We're all going to find out in real time. Either they rise to the very big occasion facing them over the next few weeks, or they're going to limp into the final months of the season needing critical wins just to get in to the playoffs. The Tennessee Volunteers have scored 107 points, rolled up over 1,100 yards of offense, and won back-to-back SEC games after another dominating performance against South Carolina in a 45-20 relatively easy win on Saturday. And there are two very different ways to look at these last two weeks. That this Vols team continues to believe in what Josh Heupel is selling, that Hendon Hooker continues to get more and more comfortable running the offense, that the defense continues to overachieve, and that it's led to two incredibly enjoyable and cathartic weekends for a bunch of fans who haven't had a whole lot to cheer about in a long time. Hooker was once again over 70% completion percentage, once again made plays with his legs, once again jumped all over an opponent in the first quarter, and after four more touchdowns, has scored 14 total times without an interception in four starts. But two things can be true. Because Jeremy Pruitt beat South Carolina and Missouri last year too, folks. Neither the Tigers nor the Gamecocks are very good at all this year. And the Vols were an easy bet as a 10-point favorite this weekend. In my mind, they were supposed to crush a god-awful South Carolina team. And this performance is not any real indication that Tennessee is anything more than maybe the 6-6 football team we expected going into the weekend. It doesn't change the calculus on this team or coaching staff yet. But it's possible that it could. We just need more data, data that we will get at home against Ole Miss next weekend. Beating two last-place type teams is one thing. Beating a top-15 Rebels team with a superstar quarterback is an entirely different matter. Saturday was yet another day of catharsis for Big Orange, and it should be enjoyed and celebrated. But two things are true. The Vols have played great football the last two weeks, and they still might not be good enough to beat any of their next four opponents. Four of the best five teams in the SEC right now, Ole Miss, Alabama, Kentucky, and Georgia. And there is no shame in that, of course. Those programs are established, top 15 teams in the country. So I'm sure it's annoying to hear, but caution is still the right approach for this particular team and the next month of action. I've just seen this movie too many times before to take a different approach. Here is some good news, though, because those folks out in Vegas, those guys, those wise guys with all the smart money only favoring Ole Miss by four points over Tennessee. That is a lot of respect for the Volunteers. In other great news, hopefully, Jimbo Fisher became the first Nick Saban assistant coach to beat his former mentor as Texas A&M kicked a last-second field goal to beat Alabama 41-38. 
The loss snapped Alabama's 100-game winning streak over unranked opponents. And the reason I say hopefully is because the loss itself does little to actually change the SEC West race. Unless Auburn somehow figures out a way to run the table and then beat Alabama at the season's end, Arkansas and Texas A&M both have two losses, LSU's a dumpster fire, and Bama already has the tiebreaker over Ole Miss. And sadly, we generally know what happens when Saban's teams lose. They usually get better and go on a tour de force revenge death march that ends with the national title, or at least an appearance in the national title game. What the loss really does is it opens up the possibility that Alabama won't be in the playoff. Should Georgia, who dominated Auburn on the Plains on Saturday with a backup quarterback, beat Alabama in the SEC title game, then a two-loss Bama would need a whole lot of help from around the country to get into the playoff. If they beat Georgia and Atlanta, should both teams get there, then it's likely the SEC would get both teams in. The rest of college football simply doesn't look as strong as it has in years past, so there's still plenty of space for Alabama to get into the playoff. This loss to the Aggies was not only a great scene in College Station, Texas, but also gives college football fans a glimmer of hope that just maybe it's not Alabama's year. I wouldn't bet on it, but hey, a kid can dream, right? In a whole lot of other news, Vanderbilt was a 39-point underdog and didn't cover the spread despite only allowing 42 points to Florida. Do you know how hard it is to cover a 39-point spread while only scoring 42 freaking points? Florida won 42 to nothing as Vanderbilt moved to 0-2 in the SEC and 2-4 overall. Nashville SE was off this weekend on international break as the U.S. men's national team, fresh off a dominating win over Jamaica on Thursday evening with Walker Zimmerman as their captain, was defeated by Panama 1-0 on Sunday evening in the second leg of the three-game set. Nashville SC midfielder Annabelle Godoy actually scored the game winner, ironically. And I don't care if it grazed one hair on Zardi's head. I'm giving the credit to Godoy. Entering the critical World Cup qualifying match, Panama and the United States were tied for second in the CONCACAF bracket, and the three points gives the Panamanian team a big boost. The U.S. will play Costa Rica back at home on Wednesday evening in their sixth of the 14 World Cup qualifiers. In Major League Baseball playoffs, Atlanta bounced back on Saturday with a 3-0 win in Game 2 of their best-of-five series with Milwaukee. Game 3 is back in Atlanta on noon Central Time on Monday. You gotta love weekday lunchtime playoff baseball, especially when you get all four series in action. Houston and Chicago will do battle in, in Game 4 of their series at, at 2.37 p.m. Central Time with the Chicago White Sox facing elimination. Boston will try to eliminate the defending AL champs, Tampa Bay, in Game 4 of their series at 6 p.m. And the Giants and Dodgers rivalry will play Game 3 of their series at 8.37 p.m., all tied up at one game apiece. And lastly, the Preds won their final preseason game on Saturday. Who cares about the score? Finishing training camp on a four-game winning streak as the season begins on Thursday against Seattle at Bridgestone Arena. On Sunday, the Preds assigned top forward Igor Afanasyov and Jeremy Davies to Milwaukee and waived goalie Connor Ingram and forward Michael McCarron with the hopes of bringing them to the AHL squad as well. That leaves 24 players on the active roster for the Preds who have to be down to 23 on Thursday which means Uber star prospect Philip Tomasino will either make the roster or will be the last player cut. Either way, we are about to enter the, quote, let the kids play season, and it's up to head coach John Hines to develop these young guys and motivate the older ones to live up to their contracts. Make sure you remember the name The Kingston Group. They are an award-winning, locally-owned custom home and remodeling firm for a reason, because they've been in business in Nashville for over 10 years, making people happy and making people money, 
with their homes. Just remember the name, The Kingston Group. If you're going to do any work on your house, give them a call. Check out their work. BuildKG.com is the website. The Kingston Group. Thank you guys all for listening, of course. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter, at Braden Gall. Please share the product. We do appreciate it. This has been the 444 Monday, October 11th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.